Hey everyone, welcome to Rereading, a podcast for reconnecting with your authentic self and learning how to own your brand of weird. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of Rereading. On today's episode, we're going to be going over two topics that go relatively hand in hand with one another. They may seem semi-foundational to you, and that's because they kind of are, and that's okay. Hopefully it doesn't bore you. Hopefully this is a new aspect of this information for you. The reason that I chose these for the podcast today is because I've been finding myself sharing more and more information on these topics with clients more often recently, and I wanted to create an episode to kind of provide what I could on these topics so that people have a way to access that information in one spot, or they can use this to build off of what I've already given them. The first topic on the docket for the episode today is mental and emotional wellness. So we'll get into a bit about what that is, why they seem to be two sides of the same coin, and how we can tend to these aspects of our wellness. Building from there in the second half of the episode, we'll talk about the concept of fill your cup, why I even use that imagery, and ways we can identify how to fill our cups, as well as why it's important to do so before we tend to the needs of other people. As always, if you have any questions at the end of this episode, please reach out. You can leave comments or questions for me through YouTube and Anchor, and I think Apple Podcast, but I'm not 100% certain. If you can't or you have any trouble with those mediums, you're welcome to send me a direct message over on Instagram or comment on any of my posts related to these topics. I'll then compile all the questions and either do another episode to go over them, even bringing in a guest host if I need to really get into it with them to help flesh this stuff out, or I'll create additional content to share on Instagram to provide people with more resources on these topics. With all that said, let's get into it. All right, so what is emotional wellness and what is mental wellness? Well, they're easy to see as essentially being kind of the same thing. You see, emotional wellness is about how we're feeling, so how we identify and then regulate our emotions right now. That's the -the in-the-moment stuff. Like right now, maybe I'm feeling nervous because I'm recording a podcast, um, but I'm also feeling excited for the same reasons. I could be feeling happy because life is going well, and perhaps I recognize that I'm feeling emotionally and mentally tired because I'm a stepmom, I work full a full-time job, and I'm going to school for my BSW right now, among many other hats that I happen to wear. Those are the emotions that I can identify, and then how I manage or regulate them is a part of my emotional wellness. For example, if the happiness is so much that interferes with me doing things that I enjoy or with relationships or it begins to feel disingenuous or perhaps it's my way of kind of covering up other things that maybe I don't want to deal with right now or emotions that I'm not wanting to recognize, then maybe that's not so healthy. Or maybe I'm not managing things very well and my nervousness becomes so much that I forget words, I stutter, I don't try things that I want to do, I give up on things that I'm trying that are new because I'm too nervous to put things out there or to actually follow through. This is another way that that emotion or any of those emotions may have kind of crossed the line from being regulated or acknowledged, accepted, and addressed and dysregulated where that emotion kind of takes over and makes it difficult to keep doing things throughout the day. Alternatively, if I'm regulating the emotion well, then I can acknowledge the nervousness, identify ways to manage it, and move forward. In other words, I can make a conscious, rational decision while still honoring what that emotion brings up for me. 
The same with other emotions that come up. If I'm able to regulate well, then we might say that I'm feeling pretty on par with my emotional wellness. And if I'm really struggling, then we might say that I am struggling with my emotional health. Keep in mind that it's not to say that we can't have big emotions because we can, we do, and we absolutely should honor them. Big emotions happen for reasons, and it's important that we can identify them, hold space for them, and accept what they're bringing up for us. What this does mean, though, is that no emotion is inherently good or bad. It is simply the label that we're giving the thing that we're feeling at any given moment, because labels help us figure out what we want to do with the thing. It also means that everybody's labels are a little bit different. My version of what happy is and what it looks like and how it feels might be different than yours. The same with your definition of what sad feels and looks like for you could be very different from mine. Our labels for our emotions are the most relevant thing, not just everybody else's interpretation of those emotions. If we label something as a positive emotion, then we're more likely to want to keep it going. But if we label it as a negative emotion, then we're more likely to want it to go away or to avoid it as much as we possibly can. The same could be said if we think other people are likely to label our emotion as negative, then we're more likely to kind of keep it stuffed away or hidden from them. And if we think they're more likely to label it as positive, then we might want to super portray that emotion to get them to see this positive aspect of us. Our emotional wellness, though, relies heavily on our ability to identify and regulate our emotions. And we don't always do this alone, though. Sometimes we need a trusted person, or an animal even, to help us co-regulate our emotions. But again, remember, this doesn't mean that we don't feel them. It just means they don't dominate our thought processes or our behaviors. And if our emotional wellness is out of whack, then we're not likely to be able to maintain our mental wellness either or we might neglect or set aside other aspects of our wellness too. When we do things that we enjoy or that can help us calm down or regulate, it can help us feel better emotionally, which also leads to better regulation and helps us tend to our needs in other areas as well. Now, before I get too far into mental wellness, which is the next topic, I, there are a couple of terms that I'm likely to refer to, and I wanted to make sure that I clarify those really quick. Uh, the baseline is who we are when things are going well and we're tending to our needs. And then the other term is our window of tolerance. And this is the window through which we can accept disruptions, negative events, and instances of feeling triggered and still regulate. When we leave our window of tolerance, we're no longer able to really regulate or rationalize those events as much. So kind of think of it as as stress goes up, our ability to think and regulate goes down. Our mental wellness is more about our baseline and our window of tolerance. It's how we're doing in the moment. So the stressors that we're experiencing and the ways the stressors might impact our ability to regulate our emotions. Basically, where emotional wellness is about the knowing and the accepting of our emotions, mental wellness is more about our doing and being. If I'm mentally tired, for example, then it's much more likely that my day will be disrupted by things as I go through all the things that I have for the day. Kind of like when... I get up late and then I'm feeling tired and I'm a little irritated because I got up late Then I get frustrated because I'm running behind and of course you can never go fast enough when you're running behind. So now I rush through the morning routine. Let's say I'm driving to work, somebody's going really slow. I'm less likely to be like, oh, they're going slow. And it's more likely to be a, can you please get a dang move on? As my frustration goes up, maybe I start getting angry, 
that sort of thing. And then if I need to stop for a coffee or a meal and the line's long, or we don't realize we don't have time to do all that we want to do, then we start moving closer to being out of our window of tolerance. Similarly, if my day starts off great and something happens, like I'm stuck behind that same slow driver, I might be more likely to rationalize, oh, they must be driving in winter in Alaska, or maybe their tires are balding and that's why they're going slow. Okay, I can manage this. That's because when I'm in my window of tolerance, disruptions are going to feel less intense. That is not to say that they're not going to irritate me, but when they do, I'm more likely to regulate those emotions in a manner that I'm comfortable with, rather than if I'm out of my window of tolerance where I might be more dysregulated and I might reflect back on it later and be like, I did not handle that so hot. So the great thing is when we do things that we enjoy, we're able to tend to our mental wellness, which improves our ability to navigate our day and regulate our emotions too. In other words, emotional wellness and mental wellness are kind of like two sides of the same coin. With that one, we will struggle with the other. One more or less sets the stage and the other is how we can regulate in the moment to manage our day. Thankfully, this also means that if we fill our mental cup, we're more capable of tending the emotional cup and vice versa. This is why as we talk about what the filling your cup theory is and how we can navigate that for ourselves, you'll find that a lot of the things that we can do to fill one cup is also used for the other. This is also why checking in with ourselves and addressing the whole self is so important. Each part works together to help us have a day where we feel like we're thriving, we're managing well, or sometimes like we're just surviving. We've kept our head above water long enough to get to the nighttime or to whenever it is we're going to bed. And this is also why it's so important to know who you are and what truly makes you feel like yourself, not how other people want you to be or any other representation of who you are. When you know who you are and what helps you feel right or better, you're more able to access those things and take care of your needs. Now that the stage is set, let's talk about the theory of filling your cup and why I even use that imagery. When I'm working with my clients, I often reference their needs as a cup. This is because I'm a very visual person, and I use a lot of descriptions and examples when I'm talking. So the image of a cup and our ability to tend to our needs or the needs of others as a liquid just kind of made sense in my brain. Hopefully it makes sense for you too. So an example of that is when my cup is full, so all, the, all my needs are met, so the liquid is full, I can pour from that cup to help others. So I can pour into their cup from mine. Now if my cup is empty, then I have nothing left to give. This also gives me a very concrete set of imagery that helps establish the idea of boundaries or the ability to say, no, I don't have the space to do that. Because when I imagine that I've poured all of the water out of my cup, there is truly nothing left to give. So rather than it being this concept of, well, I mean, I don't really think I have it exactly in me to help you lift all of those things today, but I suppose I probably could just this once, yeah, okay, and then the next day I'm paying for it because I, I had nothing to give and I was already physically exhausted, then I've just violated my own set of boundaries. Now, saying no in this case could be seen as selfishness, even though I personally don't believe it is, because it's reasonable to say no if somebody asks you to help them. But using the imagery of the cup and the water having run out allows me to identify, hmm, I need to recharge 
whether it's I take care of myself to recharge or I reach out to other people to see if they can help me recharge. Sometimes in order to help really exemplify this, I'll have clients take an outline of a cup or have them draw a cup and start writing down the things that fill the cup so that they can reference it later to connect to the things that they need until it becomes more of a second nature habit. If this is something you might think is helpful for you, please feel free to take a few moments, print or draw the outline of a cup, and then start filling it in. It could be simple things to start. Um, I often use examples like, I really like chai. Um, I usually go to one of the coffee stands here in town and I'll get a chocolate chai or lately I've been doing a vanilla chai with a shot of caramel added to it because it's just, it's warm and it's cozy and it's in the middle of winter and it's Alaska. So it just makes me feel happy to start my day out that way. For me, that's something that kind of fills my cup. Another thing that I might look at as, oh, this fills my cup and it's a simple way to access filling my cup is getting to spend a few minutes checking in with people that I'm close to before I really start my day or showing up at work early enough that I can get organized and enjoy my drink and enjoy having something to eat because again, that helps fill my cup. So I feel recharged and I'm ready to go throughout the day. If I'm having a really rough day, I might grab a piece of, I always keep a huge drawer full of candy at work, mostly for my coworkers. But if it's a really rough day, I'll grab a piece of candy or I'll go and I'll warm up a food a favorite food that I like, or I will reach out to somebody that I care about, or I'll look up, I'll take two minutes and look up memes or something funny because that helps fill my cup. So you see, it doesn't necessarily have to be big things to fill our cup, although it certainly can be. And it doesn't have to be big actions from other people that help fill our cup, but we can access little things every day that help us just recharge a little bit. And this is why I use this imagery, because it allows people to really start honing in on this is what helps me tend to myself. This is how I can take care of me. And this is how I can communicate to other people that I need them to support me so that I can help support them. Because we focused on mental and emotional wellness first, let's get into what those cups can look like. Our mental cup is often filled by those things that help us get back to our baseline. So if we recall, our mental wellness is generally based in what is our baseline, when are we most like ourselves, and when we're within our window of tolerance. Again, that isn't to say that we're not experiencing highs and lows, positives or negatives throughout our day. It just means that we're able to manage what's coming to us. So filling our mental cup means we're going to do things that get us closer to that baseline or that place where we're within our window of tolerance. This can include activities that we enjoy, the simple pleasures in our lives, things that bring us a sense of contentment or peace, feelings of being grounded or centered, and things that help us feel more like ourselves. This can include so many different things because we're all individuals. We all have different things that bring us joy, that kind of help us feel calm or centered. For some people, being near water can be really grounding. Other people are like, oh, heck no, get me away from this water. So going into the forest or spending time with people might be more grounding. For me as an introvert, I would prefer time away from people to get back to myself. My husband, however, is an absolute extrovert, and he would prefer to go and spend time with as many people as he possibly can. And that's how he recharges and gets closer to his baseline. And it works for him. 
So when he's feeling stressed out or out of his window of tolerance, I usually encourage him, like, reach out to a friend, play a game with them, go hang out with the guys, something like that, because it helps him get back to himself. And this is why it's important that we know who we are and what are those things that we enjoy, because it helps us know how to fill our cups. So for the mental cup, oftentimes we can fill it by building connection. If you're introverted like me, or if you like to reconnect with yourself, that can include building connection to yourself in a meaningful way. It could also mean connecting to a trusted person in your support network, whether it's a friend, a neighbor, a family member, doesn't really matter. It's just all that matters is it's somebody that you trust and that can help you feel more like you. It can also be a trusted professional. So this is somebody who is paid or unpaid, but is trained and educated in ways to support us and help us figure out how to calm down or work with ourselves or just maybe it's a good yoga teacher or a good fitness instructor who helps you just work through some stuff and you feel grounded when you walk out of that studio. So some examples of building that connection could be things like journaling. If you don't like journaling, then maybe you do, you could do an audio message for yourself where you just kind of talk about what it is that's going on and allow yourself to connect in with what you're feeling and release it as best as you can. It could be things that bring you back to yourself. Again, for me, I absolutely love the water. So this might include I go hang out at the river and I just listen to the water as it flows. Maybe I go find a waterfall somewhere. I go hang out at the ocean, go spend time at the lake. This allows me to just have introspective time all to myself. Or maybe I go take a walk in the woods. And this could be a way that I connect also with a friend because I have several friends that like outdoor pursuits. So maybe we get together, we go hiking, and part of that hike, we're quiet. We're connecting to ourselves, connecting to nature, and then the other part of the hike, we're talking together. So then we're building that connection together. You can also connect to a trusted person by messaging them, calling them. There's so many ways today with social media and instant messaging to be able to access people. You can go visit them or invite them to go do something that feels fulfilling or brings you together with them in a way that you both enjoy. Sometimes this also means that we invite the trusted person to go do something and maybe they don't really like to do it very much, but we let them know, hey, I really need this time with you. So can you please go and watch this movie that I know you're not going to like with me or go to this restaurant that I know you're not a huge fan of, but it just brings back positive memories and I help, I, it helps me feel grounded and calm. So can we please go do this? Or I haven't been able to connect with you in a long time. Can we please go do this? For uh, my family, actually, recently, my mom was wanting to connect with my nephew, and so she downloaded Fortnite, and we convinced her to play with us, and that is a way that, to build connection because we all have mics, and so we're able to talk back and forth as we're playing this game, and do we do really well on the game? No, not particularly. I think I've only got a victory royale like three times so far in the entire time I've been playing but it allows us to connect with one another and we can build a stronger relationship with each other as we're playing. You can also connect to a trusted professional by reaching out to a coach, a therapist, or somebody that's paid to support you. This could also include, though, unpaid professionals who are trained to support through active listening or accessing their content or their books. Just because you don't have a personal relationship to them doesn't mean you can't form a connection to them in today's world. 
but sometimes it means that that connection looks different or you're having to review stuff and take that introspective time for yourself. We can also fill our mental cup by getting back to the basics. These are those things that help us feel the most like the self that we want to be right now that bring us joy. It could be playfulness or rest or seeking out simple things that bring you peace and contentment. Note I said the self that we want to be right now. I feel that this is important to point out because I know a lot of people focus on let's be our best self or our highest self. And when you're having a rough day, we maybe aren't shooting for the stars. Maybe we're not aiming for let me be my highest, most beautiful self. Maybe it's I'm having a rough day and I just want to be the me that's not having a rough day, okay? So feel free to disconnect to the self that you want to be, not necessarily the absolute bestest self that you could possibly be. Another way that we can fill our mental cup is being in the moment. Some of the things that we've already talked about bring us back to this moment in time, but we can also do things like meditate, deep breathing, affirmations about where we are, such as somewhere safe or grounded, or what we need in this moment, whether it be food or drink, or maybe just a person to spend time with, doing an activity that requires us to focus in this moment, like a puzzle, a video game, or a drive. Funnily enough, many of these things can also help us fill our emotional cup. This is because when we nurture ourselves, connect to ourselves, we can regulate better than when we are disconnected or neglecting ourselves. Therefore, to fill our emotional cup, we start with connection to self. Take time to be compassionate towards yourself. Participate in hobbies or sports that give you time for you. Acknowledge your emotions for what they are without judging them. Meditate, journal, or do anything that helps you feel nurtured. Take time to connect to others in a way that feeds your soul. Go to a social event if that fills your cup, or avoid one if that fills your cup even better. Reach out to a loved one. Spend quality time with family and friends. If you live in a space where it's safe to do so and it brings you joy, you can also connect to nature by going for a walk or spending time outdoors, even if that's just going for a drive or playing in the dirt. Believe it or not, that counts. So does caring for plants inside. It helps build that connection to nature, and it brings joy sometimes when you're able to keep things alive. Next up, we have our spiritual cup. This one can feel harder to fill because spirituality or a connection to whatever your higher power is, if you have one, can all mean a different thing. Some of us believe in a higher power, some of us don't, some of us believe that there are things that exist that we can't explain, and that's sufficient. One way to start filling your cup is to take the time to define what being spiritual means to you and then foster connection to that through connecting to yourself or others with similar beliefs. Your sense of a higher power could also be ancestors, nature, whatever the universal energetic stamp is that you happen to believe in if you believe in one. And if you don't believe in one, then look for one, look for things that can help you nurture whatever it is you do believe in. If that is science, connect to that. If it's you believe in what you can see and touch, connect to that. Spirituality doesn't just mean you believe in the woo-woo or you are a good religious person, right? Spirituality can mean so many things. When you define what that is to you, then you're able to connect to and fill that cup and tend to what those needs look like. Once you've figured out that, Then you can prioritize things as you feel called to do so. This could include making the time to engage in whatever your spiritual practices end up 
excuse me, end up being. If there are fasting components or rituals to respect, plan ahead and prioritize engaging in those activities. This can also help foster connection to your sense of spirituality. And the same if you are very much into whatever my intuition says, that's what I do. Learn how to connect in with that so that you can engage in those practices. And ultimately, to fill our spiritual cup, it helps to be in this moment. Use the tools of your spiritual practice to do so, whether that's taking time outside in your bare feet, dancing, praying, chanting, meditating, however that looks for you, engage with the tools of your practice to help you be present in this moment. Finally, what is perhaps the absolute easiest cup to fill? The physical cup. Our physical body needs many things for us to have the energy and ability to navigate our day. When we tend to our body, it can carry us through so much more than when we neglect it and hope for the best, which we've all been guilty of. I know I have. That said, the first way to fill your physical cup is rest. Give yourself permission to choose activities that require just a little less if that is what your body is calling for. Take that rest day. Take a nap. Sleep in a little. Go to bed earlier. Do a little less if you need to. It's important that you listen to what your body needs and respect it. Nourish your body with food that energizes and fulfills you. This does not mean go on a huge diet, do intermittent fasting, try keto, Atkins, any of those things. Enjoy your food. Take the time that you need to notice how it tastes. Even if that means eating a little bit slower, even if it means chewing a little bit more, when we take the time to enjoy our food, it's so much more fulfilling than we just wolf it down as fast as we possibly can. Drink plenty of water, and if you have a craving, notice if your body is receptive to you indulging in it. This doesn't mean if you want to eat a chocolate cake, you eat the entire chocolate cake, but if you are wanting that chocolate cake, or whatever it is that you're craving, could be, I don't know, my stepson always craves the uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos. It could be something like that. Maybe we don't eat the whole bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos, but we could eat a few. Notice how our body responds to it. Be mindful of when your body says that it's full or it doesn't need anything more. Know that it's okay to sometimes indulge in the foods that we want or that we're often told are bad for us because we don't always have to restrict ourselves. We don't always have to look at, well, this person today said that I can only eat these sorts of things, therefore that's all I can possibly eat and I will have none of these other things. Or in order to gain weight, I can only eat these things, but I can't eat those other things that I really like. When we restrict ourselves, we often find ourselves wanting more of that thing. And that isn't to say we shouldn't work on discipline, because discipline is helpful and it's a good thing. But also, if you are having a craving that is just not going away, or you're like, you know, it's been a rough day and I really want to have a couple bites of that chocolate cake, then do it. It's okay to indulge. Lastly, choose movement. Find a movement that feels good to you and do it. This can mean dancing like nobody's watching, practicing mindful movement, playing sports, weightlifting, running, rolling your neck and shoulders out, doing extra deep breaths, practicing tensing and releasing individual muscle groups, stretching, taking breaks during the day to stand up and just move. Whatever movement looks like for you or whatever your body is capable of, give it a shot. If you aren't able to move around a whole lot, see if there is somebody who can help you move, even if that's they help you with your ROM, so they push a chair that you're in so you can go and enjoy something. Find movement in whatever way works for you and your body. And that is the last of the four cups that make up our big cup of needs, which I just made up. 
I hope this has helped you gain some insight on ways that you can tend to your needs. And I hope to see you on the next episode of Reweirding. So I have one last thing that I want to share before we wrap up this episode today. I'm sure that you guys have noticed that I differentiate between the simple things that we can do for ourselves to fill our cups so that other people can do for us and the really big things that we can do or that other people can do for us to help fill our cup. And the reason for this is because many years ago, I was working in a nursing home and we got a lot of training in the Eden Alternative. And as part of that, we did a training on simple pleasures. And these were the simple things that we can do or that other people can do that just brightened up our day. And we had to stop and take a look at what were the little things that we could do for our elders to help them have better days and improve their quality of life and where we could also allow them to have value to their life in helping us. And what I found was some of the simplest things that just really made me feel better mentally and emotionally were things like we had this one lady, um, she primarily smoked spoke German and she would always ask me, how are you? And I would always say, oh, I'm hungry and I'm tired. And so she taught me how to say I'm hungry and I'm tired in German as her way of saying, this is literally all you seem to say to me. So now you have to say it in my native tongue. And so every time she'd say, oh, how are you today? And so then I would respond to her in German and it just, it made her giggle every time. And then it made me laugh because I'm like, oh, this is so fun. Or we had another older gentleman who would always sing and play his guitar. And every time I'd come in, he would sing me, you are my sunshine. And it didn't really dawn on me until we did that training, just how big those really simple things were. And they're not things that we often think about, but the simple pleasures are usually free. They're easy to access, but we forget about them because we get so caught up in the big things you know, the big, the big moments where a partner gives us the big flowers or they do the big thing for us for Valentine's Day or they do big celebrations for anniversaries or holidays or when our friends do big gifts or we do big get-togethers or when we're able to take ourselves out for a spa day or, you know, or whatever it is, you buy the game, the, the car, the big thing that you wanted and we miss the little things, the little moments that make life so much more. So I want to encourage you as you're looking for ways to tend to your needs and fill your cups, and you might notice there are these little things that you've been kind of forgetting about or not realizing how impactful they are for you. Try to honor those as much as you can. Find the little simple things in your life that help you feel the most to you make you feel the best about your day, about your life, about yourself, about your relationships, and connect to those things. And then look for ways that you can do that for other people. Maybe it's the friend who's been having a rough time and you know that they really love this one type of tea or this they really enjoy this one type of muffin or cupcake or whatever it is they really like to eat. And take that to them and just watch the way it lights them up. Because in giving them that one simple thing, not only did you just show that you cared, but you also helped fill up their cup. And that might help them see that they can do those little things for you to help fill your cup too. Because we don't always just fill our own cup. Sometimes we fill other people's and sometimes they fill ours. So that's why I keep differentiating between the simple ways we can fill our cup and the big ways we can fill our cup. 
And um, thank you guys so much for, you know, enjoying this episode today, or at least I hope you enjoyed this episode today. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't hesitate to share with a friend, save for later, or leave me a review. If you would like more content like this, follow me on Instagram at raisa.coaching.